0: Content warning Please note that this episode contains depictions of violence and trauma That some may find disturbing Now back to the show Welcome to SYM It's your hosts Jeremy and Carrie Our next guest is very special to us But she struggles with ADHD, PTSD, bipolar, anger, major depression, anxiety, panic, fear of rejection, abandonment Never being good enough Self-hatred And a negative self-body image A list like this may seem long and irrelevant to some Yet others will feel and totally understand the pain Her trauma began at three weeks of age And from that moment forward It has been a winding path of abuse that followed And still haunts her today She has been in and out of therapy since 2003 But in the past three years She has continuously been in treatment privately She has been to inpatient during daytime only and have had some hospitalizations, but she chose to defeat the monster within and find the best of herself to become the person she was always meant to be. Her goal is to heal herself from the inside and help as many people as she can along her healing journey. Never give up is what she chose to live by, and despite all the evil and trauma she has endured, she will always choose life. Her favorite quote she reads every day, is looks are only skin deep real beauty is intelligence kindness charm loyalty and a caring heart the power of positivity she also wrote trauma comes to all genders of all ages and plays no favorites on who it tries to destroy and never forget we are all beautiful and worthy of a happy and peaceful life i'm proud to introduce My mom, Gina Phillips. Are you struggling or feel lost in your thoughts with no way out? Then join us in taking control of your own mind before something or someone else will. I'm Jeremy, and with my wife and co host Carrie, this is Surviving Your Mind. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Surviving Your Mind. I'm Jeremy, and I'm here with... Carrie. Today is going to be a great day. Today, this person that we're interviewing, her story, most of it is going to be new to me. Um, She means a lot. She's been in my life since birth, (laughs) Um, and there's a lot that I don't know about her. And we're going to get into this story starting from her birth. But before we do... Um, I would like to introduce her again. Gina, hi. But she's not just Gina. To me, she's my mom. And that's why this story means so much to me, because I haven't heard all of her story, and part of that was my fault. Because at a certain time in my life, uh, her and my dad got a divorce, and I resented her for that. And I didn't want to listen to anything that she had to say, what she was doing, because it wasn't with me, and I I got jealous, and I'm ready to hear her whole story, and you guys are going to be listening to it with me first. But she wrote a quote, and part of the reason why she's doing this interview is because of this quote, but she wrote, Trauma comes to all genders of all ages and plays no favorites on who it tries to destroy. That's amazing. I'm going to read that again. Trauma comes to all genders of all ages, and plays no favorites on who it tries to destroy. I love that. Absolutely, Thank absolutely. You. absolutely. So, Mom, Gina for um, the rest of y'all, because she's not your mom. No, oh, Gigi, <laughs> she has so many names. <laughs> That's yeah, right. so... aliases of all kinds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's let's go ahead and get into this. We got we got a. Hell of a bullet list here.
1: Yeah, we do. (laughs) Sorry about that.
0: No, that's fine. So starting out from birth.
1: Well, um, I guess I had a normal birth. I came out normal. (laughs) (laughs) The normal way, I should say. (laughs) But um, anyways, I'm not going to go through a whole lot of prior events. Um, My birth mom um, and I went straight from the hospital into foster care. And the foster family left, and I was alone with my mom. They didn't realize that she had no clue how to raise a baby. Uh So they left when I was around three weeks of age. They came back, it was a week or two. And the statements made in the illegal documents I have is that I was not thriving. Uh, something was wrong because I wasn't thriving I hadn't grown I was I looked like an exhausted person Mm -hmm. and so they quickly found out that my mom had did not know how to take care of an infant a newborn a baby of any age and had been spanking me to the extreme like to the max Wow, and it took them a, a while to get this out of her, but come to find out, she was only feeding me like twice a day, once or twice a day. Oh, wow. my gosh. Um, yeah. She didn't understand. She goes, well, I don't eat but once or twice a day. Well, why I feed her when I eat? And she was totally clueless. So, um, I look at it like it's a miracle that I'm even alive. Yeah.
2: Wow.
1: Um, because at three weeks of age, being practically beaten, um, it, it's a miracle.
2: Absolutely.
1: So that, uh, my mom left, left me there because I don't know for what reason, mm-hmm. but she went to find a way to be able to keep me. I was with the foster parents, thank goodness they were wonderful people, and I attached very closely to them. Mm then my mom only came back a few times to see me so according to a psychologist I saw in 2003 her explaining a lot of things is that I was already experiencing fear of rejection Mm -hmm. fear of abandonment and fear of getting in trouble Mm -hmm. and so that's why I attached so easily to them and my birth mom had finally asked. Um, I was several months old. She had found an, a very much older truck driver that she moved in with, mm-hmm. and she wanted to keep me on the weekends. So they let they let her try it a few times. She brought me back like on the last time and said, I can't do this. I can't take her and keep her anymore. And when asked why, she said, I believe my... Boyfriend is abusing her. Oh my god! And I don't know how. Well, automatically suspicions were now I was getting abused by two people because my mom had already abused me.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: if she's done it once, obviously she can do it again.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: now she's, you know, blaming this guy. So it was made back then. You didn't have to have court orders and all this other stuff. So it was verbally agreement. You're not taking her ever again. You wow. want to see her, you'll see her in this house alone. Um, so my psychologist said um, from birth, because I've, I've tried telling the story before and people are like, that's stupid. What, what in the world do you even worry about that for? Good God. I mean, you're a baby. You, you don't remember stuff like that. You know, Mm. just get over it. Quit being a crybaby, you know. Suck it up and go on. I mean, it's just over and over and over. And just to throw in here real quick, thank you guys for having me because um, my story has never mattered to anybody before. Mm. Never had a chance to tell it. But there are millions of hurting people out there. And so if I can help just one person in that be happening telling my story no matter how hard it is, then I'm gonna do it. Wow. So I love that. I thank love you that. both. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely.
0: And and uh, I know I've told you before, but um, you know, I apologize for not validating you and listening to you. So
1: Oh, thank you, son. I you are you were forgiven long time. In fact you were <laughs> never blamed. I never blamed you for anything. I put all the blame on myself. It's well, my fault.
0: It's I my ga- f- I gave you hell there for Years, True. Years. A
1: lot of hell. <laughs>
3: I think you've given everybody hell, babe. <laughs> like you were I,
0: mean, I, was, I was a struggling alcoholic just filled with anger and resentment. Yeah. Trauma,
3: filled with trauma. Yep. But that's exactly. not your fault, and that's what we're all talking about, which is awesome. And
1: to, uh, to help you, hopefully this will help you. Um, later in life, when I was like 43, I found my birth family, a big number of them. Um, got to meet a lot of them, talked to a lot of them. Well, when I, I'm not going into detail, but when I heard my, my mom's story, mm-hmm. I found out that she had lived a horrible traumatic life. Mm. And after I heard her story, instantaneously, my heart forgave her because she was just a child, Mm-hmm. with the events that she went through.
3: And how old was she, I'm sorry, when she had you?
1: Um, I th- think she was 21. Okay. Because I have an older sister Oh, yeah. that okay. Okay. she didn't raise her either. That's a whole different, mm-hmm. you know, story. But um, so, like you just said, trauma, ca- causing trauma. Mm-hmm. Or th- exactly right. She... Took care of me the only way that she knew how, because right. she was basically a baby having a baby,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And later on, to my story, as we get through it, I ended up being a baby having a baby, but I three had three babies. Yes, <laughs> I had three babies, and I love them all so much. <laughs> and all three of them gave me fucking hell, belong, which you could imagine. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, they did. <laughs>
0: testing that faith yep. <laughs> that's right
1: <laughs> i spent a lot of time on my knees and damn it it didn't work <laughs> Not until y'all grew up.
3: <laughs> i think they turned out pretty dang good though they did
1: <laughs> wow
0: absolutely so you're the st- not the stepfather the your mom's boyfriend you were talking about she was blaming that um he was possibly abusing you was it physical abuse like what your mom was doing or was it
1: that was not spoken and uh, okay. i mean that was not told okay. in the oh, wow. in the documents it okay. was just that she said i think he is abusing her okay mm-hmm. so who knows what kind it was right but um like i was saying you know that's exactly how my psychologist explained it and this was back in 2003 was that every single thing that happened to me from birth on in all those years that most children don't remember a thing of what happened, every single memory is planted into your brain, and it's it's almost put like in a storage box.
3: Yeah, compartmentalized. Yeah, mm-hmm. and
1: waiting for the day because those fight-or-flight fight or moments come. And so this memory is going to come out, and you're going to know, don't do this, I'm going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. you know even if it results in being abused again it's those fears have already been planted in your brain and that's why what you guys call your podcast website surviving your mind could not have been a better choice of words Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what i've spent a lifetime trying to do is survive my mind because my brain and the events that we go through, yes, are significant. Certain events and issues are different for everyone. Um, the sad part is, is society looks at it like levels. Well, yours is minor, yours is severe, and that's what they go off of when they judge people, with, you know, when they're sharing their stories. And what's the most important is the trauma it causes afterwards, mm-hmm. the psychological damage, the pain, the suffering. We all are exactly the same on that, no matter what our events were. Mm-hmm. So every single story in this world matters Absolutely, and deserves to be told. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I actually just heard a podcast recently to explain um, like how people get PTSD. And I'd never knew this until I listened to this podcast and it was talking about your nervous system. So two Mm -hmm. people experience the exact same thing, but their nervous system compartmentalizes it completely different. So that's why I kind of asked you like what kind of baby Jeremy was when he was younger. Mm -hmm. Was he fussy or was he easily soothed? Um, So apparently babies that are a little bit more fussy and that are harder to soothe, we have a harder time and we do compartmentalize things a little bit differently because our nervous systems aren't as strong as other people that can self-soothe. It was like from birth our human nature and our nervous system is literally what does everything for us and we can't tell you how it's going to be compartmentalized. Like, it's really cool to know that. Exactly. I mean, you can't be blamed for it. And like your body.
1: Jeremy, on your defense, you know, for all the trauma and things you've been through, you cannot be placed into one description as far as when you were a baby because, like, what you were just talking about, Carrie, absolutely no issues in that with Jeremy. Mm -hmm. Like, none. He was the easiest child to you know uh to satisfy he wasn't fussy he was happy but he was extremely quiet and i always described him as a very determined person absolutely who will i mean even before you were born Mm -hmm. you know you did things your way (laughs) and you Yes he and, does. And, when, and during your being born, you by God, you did it your way. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: came when you wanted to, huh?
1: Oh, I could tell you some stories on that. <laughs> <laughs> but there were other things about him. He wasn't very talkative to people outside his comfort zone, mm-hmm. which was his brothers and his mom. Oh. pretty much that was it that was his comfort zone outside of that he could stare you down and win that contest every time <laughs> he, has he still does that
0: <laughs> well oh I don't God. know you so yeah right You're like, that's I- right I
3: don't need talk- to have a connection with you I'm just gonna look at you
1: <laughs> talk to me again I'm throwing my binky
0: at you <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: my gosh that is so cute uh, I really is that wanted- what I called
0: it a binky? binky? A binky. A binky. Okay. I don't
3: know if I had a binky. I, I wish I had somebody to ask these questions about. Like, I don't know if I was a fussy baby. I don't know anything. Dang I don't, it. I don't know
0: how this interview turned on me, guys.
1: Because <laughs> you're amazing. That's yeah. why. We
0: can save me for another day. <laughs> That's funny.
1: All right. Back on track. Yeah, it over. Back
0: on track. So, your mom getting back on track your mom she took you back to the adoption center for the last time and that's when she
1: well took me back to yeah and after that she came once or twice and then they never saw her again Oh wow! and i was i think nine ten months old nine to eleven months old somewhere in that range um she did come back and say well i have decided that i can't do this um I want to give her up for adoption. Will you help me?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: they asked her why. And she said, because I finally realized I have failed two children, two daughters, and I don't want to fail this one the way I did the other one. Mm-hmm. And so she said she deserve." I mean, this is when the good in her, and, and like my birth family described her as being one of the... Sweetest, kindest people, um, and but she just had her drama side, is what they called it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, it's, it's interesting like how they described her is a lot like me, because I hear that so much. You are so sweet, and kind, and blah blah blah, and a beautiful heart, and <laughs> blah blah blah. But boy, how you know you can go twisted in a moment. Oh, wow. You know, so they skipping all the blah, blah stuff. <laughs> in, in the courtroom, this is in my documents again. Um, as I sat in the courtroom, the judge says, you know, Miss so-and-so, I'm going to ask you one last time, is anybody forcing you into this? Are you being told by anyone that you have to do this or you should do it? And she said, no, this is my decision, and I – it's uh, – it's just my decision Mm -hmm. and they said pretty much when the gavel came down and the judge says okay she is no longer you know uh yours she is now going into the uh, adoption system Mm -hmm. and the words describing my mom was she laid her head on the shoulder of whoever this lady was and cried Mm -hmm. so how can you not forgive her yeah, but absolutely. I didn't know all this till I was in my early 40s. Oh, wow. So, you know, I held a lot against her
3: mm-hmm. for
1: a couple of decades, you yeah. know.
3: But I have to say that it's just very big of you, and I'm really proud of you to be in the generation that we always talk about. That don't go get help and that you have, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. You've, yes. I mean, had a whole lifetime of this and I'm right. just really proud of you because a lot of people don't go try to get help. Thank better. you.
1: Uh, and the sad thing is in the, in the generation my mom lived in, um, there was no such thing as therapists and mm-hmm. counselors and it, nothing. You, you didn't. You just took life, however it came at you, and just you better live the rest of it right and not mm-hmm. worry about what happened. And then, same thing in my generation uh, was you don't talk about things like that. Right. And if you tried to, a lot of words that I would hear is you're crazy. You don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, you, you know, you're just thinking that this happened to you. You're mm-hmm. just making mm-hmm. up stories. You're nothing but a dreamer. You know, just get over it. So you did not talk or discuss anything. I mean, I could go to my adoptive parents and try to tell them things that had happened to me at school, and their response was the same every time. Oh, quit worrying about it. They're just teasing you. It's nothing. You're too sensitive.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: there I go, stuffing it all down inside of me again. So, to think the age that I am now, you know, pretty much starting at age 10 is really what I can remember on my own back to. Mm -hmm. And from there till now has been 52 years. Mm -hmm. And have just recently gotten true help in the last two years. So, that's a long time to hold stuff in.
3: Yeah, it is. And it tore you apart. Wow
0: so how long were you in the in the system before you were adopted
1: I'm not sure on that but I do know that um, at exactly one week before I turned a year old is when I was given to the people that adopted me okay oh wow okay. and um, I how long I spent in uh, what I do understand is that I did stay in the same foster home okay Mm, You know, it was just legally I was being put up for adoption, but I did stay with them. And there, once again, like my psychologist said, is this is where your fear of um, rejection and abandonment comes from, because here you are being taken away from the people, the only people you knew and were attached to Mm -hmm. that were good to you, and now they're taking you away and sticking you with strangers
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so now you have and she said that's when your real fear came in of doing what you're told and so you don't get in trouble wow and yep. I've been told that my whole life too by them that oh you were you were such an easy child to take care of because you never did anything wrong you were so good you never broke the rules you were a little rebellious and arguative, but, you know, that...
3: Teenage, a girl teenager, yeah. Yep. Yeah. But you were you were too scared to say anything. You, exactly. Yeah, you just kept everything inside, wow. Um, another thing I read, actually, um, so the ages of zero to seven, the, the human brain is actually developing, you know, and we know that, but... We were always taught to like stay in the marriage and stay married until Mm -hmm. your kids are graduated or whatever. But if that's the most important time, is zero to seven. So you might not remember it at all, the traumatic event from zero to seven, but your body remembers it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: And that's the whole seed thing that we talked about. But yeah, that's exactly. And you have no idea. So, like, um, we'll have traumatic response days. And we don't know where it's coming from, but we know that it's a traumatic response day. It's very interesting. Like, right. you can feel, like, your nervous system.
1: And, but what's scary is, until you realize that, mm-hmm. you have no idea why you're acting the way you are. All you yep. know is you cannot control how you feel. You're living you're in chaos. You're scared to death. Yep. Yeah, ca- mm-hmm. chaos. Yep. That's a great word for it, exactly. It really is.
3: Like, your brain is just, like, a chaotic mess of firing engine pins. (laughs) And when you're living in trauma and survival mode, you like, I don't have as bad as ADHD symptoms and I don't interrupt people like I used to. And I definitely do not have the impulsiveness of wanting to go hop into a pond like I used to, (laughs) you know, like, like I felt, and I kind of felt lost a little bit for a while because I don't have that weird impulsiveness that it's always been Carrie anymore Mm -hmm. like I don't I don't have that it's very strange
0: that's that's
2: good yeah it is good it's weird (laughs) it is weird
0: (laughs) so you talk about your adoptive parents did you at one year old did you have you been with the same adoptive parents since one year old or have you kind of like
1: with the same ones okay right okay and they had a, a biological son who was nine years older than me Who, I will say, um, from as far back to a little girl as I can remember, up until today, as we sit here, he's always been my hero. He was the one that looked out for me. He's the one that protected me. Uh, He could do things to me. (laughs) Of course, the big brother always. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, never anything bad. You know, just, you know, a true sibling silliness back and forth, but by God, nobody else better do anything towards me. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
3: your brother is a he's, phenomenal person. Yeah.
1: He's literally, uh, and I do mean literally saved my life twice that I can remember. Wow. Uh, because one of them, um, which is on into junior high, I, it's another time I should be dead. I shouldn't be sitting here today. Oh wow. So that's why I say he literally saved me. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, how I got to where I was when I was found, I'm not 100% at fault for. But because my reasons for doing what I did was trying to get away from all the trauma and abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, because my adoptive family was not, they were good people. But I suffered abuse through all of those years of staying home. Um from them as well as in school grade school junior high high school Mm -hmm. and so um I wanted to get away from that so this boy and I ran away from home and uh he'd already done something bad to me and I never can say the word I don't know if People know this. One of you can say it for me. The R Mm -hmm. word. Yeah.
3: We we just say sexually assaulted.
1: Yeah. 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 That's a hard word word to say. It Mm -hmm. is. And um, so that had already been done to me by him, but yet for some freaky reason, I still trusted him. You know? I have the
3: same type of story. I totally understand. Yeah.
1: Because I was 13 and a half years old and he was. barely 16 he was driving mm-hmm. you know and his uh he was grounded from his car and the car was locked up in a car lot but he broke in and got it out anyways and i knew all this i was scared to death i knew what i was doing was wrong but i got in that car anyways oh, wow. and was my whole attitude was i don't care where you take us just go i don't want to be here anymore oh,
0: so wow. was that from the issues with the adoptive parents or was that from you being bullied in grade school and combination
1: combination combination of, combination of, of it all, all. of it. Okay. yeah um bullying and uh, our grade school which once again I'd go home to tell my parents that's what I was talking about a while ago mm-hmm. and I was told oh they're just teasing you that just means they like you they're a good family mm-hmm. and I'm like but it makes me cry. Right. You know. Yep. <laughs> like something doesn't feel right and they're like just get over it. Just wow. get over it and go on. So
0: I I remember those sayings even when I was growing up and but it was true. I, I you know, I was in elementary school and I don't know if you remember but there's times that I would run on the playground and I would push girls down or stuff like that, but I liked them. And yeah. so that 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 is somewhat true. It's like, if the boy is meaner to the girl, then that means they like him.
1: They you. like him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, and, you know, but I think there's a certain kind of teasing or being, you know, right. mean. It's like pushing them down, pulling their hair, um, you know, pulling a bow out of their hair. You know, right. stuff like that that's teasing and, you know, and they're... And, but that's what boys did. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. this is something that was psychologically
3: damaging. Right. Yeah. yeah. And to not be validated by your parents are so hurtful. Like, I mean, I just, you going over some of the sayings that they used to say to you, I totally remember all of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So then, when,
0: when you ran away with him, did, did you go back or did you stay with him for a while?
1: We were gone a day and a half. Okay And we ended up in um, Oklahoma City. Oh wow. And stayed in a motel one night, the first night, and then the next day went to, he knew two older boys, a lot older boys mm-hmm. who were closer to being, um, I think 18, 21, something like that. Mm-hmm. We went to their trailer and stayed there. And that's where everything fell apart because, I mean, I was barefooted. I had on my, you know, flared hip huggers and my bathing suit top with a T-shirt on and had 20 silver dollars that my dad had given me and I'd been saving. And it was like, this is going to get me all the way around the world. Right. Like, (laughs) I'm out of here. (laughs) No
3: shoes and everything. Get me out of yeah. here.
1: And they ended up taking us to a bar on Tenth Street.
3: The
2: Red
1: and Dog. No, I'm just kidding. The, yes. Oh yep. my gosh. The no, red but dog. at that time, at that time, it wasn't what it is today. Oh, right. Okay. It was just a plain old bar. Mm-hmm. Had somebody up there playing a the guitar, and that was, you know, mm-hmm. and. Now so. you can get
0: a drink with Chi-Chi's in your face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely don't want that. <laughs> no, no,
1: thank you. So we were sitting in a booth. Uh, yeah, I'm barefooted. They didn't ID people back then. Wow. So I just tucked my my flared jeans were long mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, you know, curled my toes up and walked like a <laughs> duck in there. Sat at a booth. Feet didn't even reach the floor. They oh, got wow. big jugs of you know beer put one in front of me and told me to drink, and I'm like, I don't want any. And they're like, drink. I'm like, I, but I don't want any. And so I took a sip, and I just like, bleh. Oh, you yeah, know, that right. was nasty. So their violent side came out, slammed it in front of me. Beer went all over me and everywhere and said, you'll drink it or we'll pour it down your throat. Uh-huh. Well, the boy I was with ended up getting so drunk he couldn't even sit up in the car. Mm. So gosh. they kept looking at me smiling saying, "Oh, you don't even know what fun we're about to get into." Mm. And I knew something was not right. I was scared to death cuz my boyfriend is passed out. I can't wake him up. And it was as we were walking into the trailer that we were surrounded by headlights. One of them being my brother, the rest of them all law enforcement. Oh, thank and when I heard my brother's name, I'm gonna cry, um, I literally ran to him and held on to him so mm-hmm. tight and but we never told my parents or our parents exactly what happened. I begged him to please don't tell him, please mm-hmm. don't tell him. you know, I, I will be in so much trouble worse than I'm gonna be. He protected me wow. and he didn't, but then it's traumatic after that. We were taken straight to the hospital. I didn't go home. They took me straight to the hospital, stuck me in a room, and said, you're going to be tested. And I was scared to death, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Where are my parents, you know, and where's the people that's supposed to protect me? And they said, we need to find out if you were sexually abused. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking oh dear, are they going to find out what happened to me already? Like, Were you intoxicated
3: at this time? No. No? Okay. No.
1: I, I took that one little sip and I refused. I, I mean, know, they, know. they finally, when he got to the passing out point, they you know, it's pretty much laughter and uh, we're going to have fun now. Mm -hmm. And so I had to have this examination on me, a woman's examination that I'd never had before. Nobody explained to me what was going to go on. Mm -hmm. And so I was humiliated. I didn't know that that word then, Mm -hmm. but so, I mean, that was another trauma I've lived with. Mm -hmm. I mean, in my mind, it was, you're hurting me just like, Mm -hmm. just like this boy did, just like, you know, other wow. things that I don't want to talk about. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it just kind of in every. And you were a child in there, and there wasn't
3: any nurses or anybody that was just. There was the nurse or? and the doctor,
1: and that was it. Nope. Wow. They just told me to lay down, be quiet, put your knees up on our feet up on the table. Wow. And that That's was so it. Sad. Next thing I know, I'm being shoved, prodded mm-hmm. with things, you know, and that. Is terrifying and, and the whole entire town because we lived in this little small town. Um, I got everywhere I went, people just stared at me, and I could hear him whispering, "That's her. That's that's the
3: girl." Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Wow.
1: So you know how do, how do you when you're a kid how do you you know get help? You mm-hmm. right.
3: don't not it's, back then at least. No, right.
1: exactly. You just deal and, with it you know, the things that I don't want to go into detail about are things that, um, my adoptive mom did. Mm-hmm. So we'll skip all that part. Mm-hmm. But, um, it just all, they didn't protect me because mm-hmm. I told me, you know, you need to, uh, not worry about this. You just need to, nobody, nobody wants to hear your story. Nobody, uh, we're not going to discuss it with anyone. You just go on. Just go. Shove me out the door. Wow. And, wow. I mean, it just, like my psychologist bat, you back then mm-hmm. said, again, was you just, you didn't realize you were doing it. But every little thing that happened to you, whether big or little, if that's the way you want to look at it, um, you just kept stuffing down inside of you. Mm-hmm. And it kept compartmentalizing like you said in my brain
3: yeah
1: you know and that was gonna be she said the brain thinks it's giving you am, uh amu- i can't even say ammunition ammunition, ammunition thank you <laughs> i know I, oh, I knew you would know that word
3: <laughs> yeah he knows that word very
1: well <laughs> yeah yeah
2: that Yeah. so
1: do. um you know your brain is like well your brain is making you think you're going to survive. But, and it's giving you the ammunition, but what comes out, the, the brain the waves and the yeah. nervous system like you're talking about, mm-hmm. what comes out is how you end up acting, how you yeah. handle it, which because you don't know how to handle it, you, you cry, you scream, you hide, you... Um, You're just terrified. Mm -hmm. You shake uncontrollably. You have nightmares. I mean, you guys know this. Right. And so...
0: So after the hospital, did you guys, and with everybody, you know, basically harassing and bullying you in that town, did you guys stay there the whole time, or...?
1: We stayed the whole time until two days before I went into the ninth grade. And this event happened when I was... was the summer after seventh grade oh wow, oh my gosh so yeah you we lived there yeah we lived wow. there the whole time and the only reason we moved was nothing about me because uh my dad is which i just found this out like a year ago has my brother and i both discovered this pretty much kind of at the same time he's the one that started we sat and had a long three four hour talk and we were both shocked at what each other's lives were because we've never had any idea Mm -hmm. we've never understood why we've never been close well our dad is a narcissist our Mm -hmm. whole entire life that's what he's been and so when I look back over my life now um, now that I've learned what that is and the the signs and symptoms Mm -hmm. uh, my dad Was most definitely one. We both can see that. Everything was about him. Mm, You know, and I... One thing I remember a lot of is... Oh, I was always, you know, the little princess. Or I was always, you know... He was all about me and all this kind of stuff. But when my brother would come along, I would literally get shoved to the side and then everything was about him. Because my brother was very successful in everything he did and that made our dad made him look good
3: very good yeah mm-hmm. made him look
1: very good so they give you two words this book that i'm reading reading the narcissist in your life there's two words that they use there's the golden child and the rejected child
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: and i told my brother i said you've always been the golden child he's like no you've always been the favorite i said no you don't know you don't know my life bub Mm-hmm. You you don't know what happened. He left for college when I was in the third grade, and I was terrified because he was my protector,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And everything changed after he left. Everything changed. My dad no longer had the time for me, um, especially when we moved. Anyways, um, when we moved to out of town because he got a promotion Oh, uh, he definitely from that point on had really nothing to do with me. he never came to any of my dance recitals through my grade school, junior high years. He um it just he didn't have time. Mm-hmm. Everything was about him. This promotion, this was all about him. Look at me, look what I'm doing. I don't have time for you two. So mm-hmm. There's, there comes out the rejection, the trauma from rejection, you know, because when I was little, oh, I just thought it was great. I looked up to my dad because everything was about me, but it really wasn't. It's because other people, it's how other people honestly felt about me, Mm -hmm. you know, in a good way. And so that made him look good. Mm -hmm. So boy, he's going to put me up on this little pedestal. Right. But when it no longer became about him, then there I go.
0: Right. So when you moved away, was that a sign of hope? Or was that um, something that was also traumatic for you?
1: That was really a mixture of both. Because on the one hand, I didn't want to leave where we were. Because I I told myself I had friends. Mm -hmm. I told myself that all these girls liked me and they were my friends. But it was the same way of... About them, kids can just be cruel in general. Yes. And in a little small town, it's one day they like... Well, I guess this can be anywhere, not just a small town. But um, one day I was their best friend and they liked me and I was invited to the slumber parties and, you know, everything. But as soon as I would wear... Certain clothes, mm-hmm. my parents were all about, she must look the best. Mm-hmm. So they made sure that I dressed better than everybody else. I was forced to wear, even in junior high, high school, I was forced to wear certain clothes. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the, my rebellious times, because I fought against that so hard, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And every time I'd come to school in a new outfit, that nobody wanted anything to do with me. There... They would say every time, oh, look, here comes Gina again in another new outfit, new clothes again. Oh, your family must be rich, huh? Well, you don't fit in with us because we're not rich people. And I would say, they're not rich. I'm not wearing this because I want to, you know. Don't blame me, It's you know. But no, it was, nope, they had nothing to do with me. And I'd show up at school in normal jeans and t-shirt like everybody else. Oh, yeah, I was wonderful again. I was their best friend again. Let's go swimming and blah, blah, blah. Mm, So part of me, but they were the only friends I knew. Mm -hmm. So part of me wanted to stay. I did not want to move. And even though this boy, who I'd been traumatized by, was the only boy I knew that gave me attention of any kind. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to leave him, but we were forbidden to see each other. Well, and come to find out, um, I wasn't supposed to be seeing him at all over like a year, year, year and a half time. My dad had told my mom, I don't want her around that boy. Well, my mom wanted to be the hero in my eyes Mm. and be her... Uh, well, come to find out going back to, I didn't mean change the subject, but going back to being adopted, there were one or two kids, a boy first that they were offered. Nope. She wanted a girl. She already had a son. She wanted a daughter, which is fine. Mm -hmm. That part's normal. And then another little girl was brought to them for them to go see, but little Indian girl. And she had short, cut-off hair, straight, completely straight. Mm -hmm. And my dad said she was absolutely the cutest little thing. She was so sweet. And my dad, the way it sounded, wanted her. But my mom, being a beautician and being um, in her eyes, in their eyes, like they're amazing people. Mm -hmm. Because look at the job this man has and look what she does. She takes care of everybody's hair. Her comment was no, I can't take her. There's nothing I can do with her hair. So she rejected this little girl for having straight hair. Is that not the saddest thing? And then
3: that was their generation. That's
1: wow. Yeah.
3: So do you know like how your mom grew up, like how her parents were
1: No, I've heard her her parents were fine. From what I've heard and I know. But I think, um, I think there were some issues with some uncles or something. I've heard this. Don't know if it's true. Because it's never discussed. They mm-hmm. never talk about their talk, lives. Nothing, yeah. So, I mean, I've come to accept the fact that they had to have gone through stuff too. They're only being what they know how to be. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, but I, I'm still working on some of the trauma mm-hmm. with them. But I'm more and more convincing myself it, and because on this healing journey, I've got to be healed in every way. Right. And I'm not um, I'm not gonna let this monster inside my brain win. Right. I don't care if it takes till my dying breath, and that's the last breath I take is <sighs> I've done it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm gonna keep fighting. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna give up. And um, Jeremy
3: gets that from you I'll <laughs> <Just to laughs> let you know well, you that, guys
1: are fighters well, well that's one good thing in that way Many but, things. and the reason she picked me is because oh she's so ador- adorable look at that little red dress and curly hair yes I can do a lot with her I can make her basically my live living breathing baby doll toy mm-hmm. to play with in some ways wrong, very wrong Mm -hmm. and um, can just make her the star of the town and boy will we look good. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So, you know, feeling like you can talk about feeling like, wow okay, so you didn't pick me for right reasons, you picked me because I'd be a good baby doll toy and you could do something with my hair. Well, you know, kind of sad that she tried, but I still always ended up doing. Oh, uh, thing. yeah! And when you're when you have a parent that's a beautician, <laughs> oh my gosh, you're the guinea pig for everything. Thank goodness back then they didn't have all these you know strange mm-hmm. hairstyles that people wear today. Which is it looks on them, it looks awesome, right? <laughs> thank goodness it wasn't. But still, you'd you'd get your hair permed and look like i don't know if anybody remembers barbara streisand but it was yes. like zzz, zzz, mm-hmm. no yes. <laughs> you come out looking like this you know and you have to yeah a poodle yeah yeah,
3: yeah. looked like poodles
1: it looked like a poodle who got a perm so it's even <laughs> yeah like electric, electrocuted poodles exactly I remember, yeah i remember that
3: wow Um, my mom, actually, she apparently didn't finish beautician school, but I definitely, I don't think I ever got a professional haircut Mm -hmm. or anything professionally done until I went and paid for it myself.
1: Yeah, same here. She Mm -hmm. took me once.
0: All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into her high school. We're back, guys. So whenever you moved to the other town within the first year or two, was was that a positive experience for you or did you experience more negative me- more negativity within moving?
1: Again, that's a mixture of both. At first, ninth grade was depressing because um, again, I was scared. here's a new place. Mm-hmm. So that trauma of being rejected, And abandonment when I was a baby starts coming out, Mm -hmm. which obviously we don't realize that. But I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was scared to death. Um, The very first day of school, my mom forces me to wear this outfit that she thought was absolutely adorable. Mm -hmm. And I was horrified because it was this short top part of it and then this skirt that was really 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 short and it has cherries all over it Mm. and so in my mind i'm thinking how stupid i look like a basket of fruit (laughs) (laughs) you know i put some more limbs on me i'm a cherry tree Mm -hmm. and i was terrified and or horrified so we get to, she literally opens my door and pushes me out the door because I was almost crying, begging, please don't make me go today. Don't, please don't make me do this. I mm-hmm. look ridiculous. And she pushed me literally out the door. Well, I was laughed at all day long by the boys and n- nobody, nobody talked to me because I, here I was, this little small town girl coming to a big city and... Who wants to be friends with someone like that? And I ended up making two good friends. But the finally it came out, the reason why they were laughing at me was because of the cherries and it because, because of ugh, a sexual reason, which I didn't understand at that time. I didn't know it was related to that. And um, so when I found out what it was, then I didn't obviously didn't want to go back to school again. But I ended up making two good friends, which was a positive thing, and um, I decided that I had become a loner, not wanting to be friends with anybody, but these two girls were very nice to me, taught me the ins and outs for around there, Mm -hmm. and so I felt safe with them, and so I was happy. So That's that so part was good, mm-hmm. you know. And then we go to high school and it's a whole another story all over again. Um without telling a whole lot, It's there were multiple sexual assaults. One was actually brutal. We I had gone with this one boy. I had only gone out with him twice. And the only reason <laughs> As we're laughing. And the only reason I went out with him, because he had the coolest car ever. I was like, what's the reason? It's got to be something. It's got to be. It was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And we went out on the edge of town to a trailer. And so there was a bunch of other kids that were our age. It was having a party. Mm -hmm. And so... I, at that time, had decided, okay, well, I'm going to try drinking because that's what everybody else is doing, and that's what's going to make me accepted. Mm -hmm. So, I drank a little bit, and I was still, again, was like, bleh, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, finally, there was only, like, two of them that I knew. So, this one girl and I, the song came on, Stayin' Alive. Yep. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think it was that song, but it was from that movie. We were out in the middle. We were dancing just like them, having a great time, being silly girls and all this kind of stuff. Well, he comes along, grabs my hand, takes me into a room, and locks the door. I'm like, what are you doing? I want to go back out there. And he's like, no, once I get started, that's not what you're going to want. So he started, you know, proceeded to force the clothes off and all this, and I started screaming yelling no, and there was one boy out there, and it ended up, it was a boy that I didn't know, banging on the door, and trying to get the door open, trying to kick it open, oh my gosh. yelling at him, because um, he knew this kid, yelling at him to stop, stop, leave her alone, but it didn't work, so then the music went off. Everybody out there listened to what was going on, and this one boy was the only one Mm. that tried to do anything, but, of course, it didn't happen. And then when it was all over with, he went walking out with a smile on his face, all proud. I had to walk out and face everybody, and they all just looked at me like, oh, well, that just happened. Mm. And so I found his keys. I left. It was icy and snowy outside. I found his keys. I was going to drive myself home. Mm -hmm. And ha, 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 karma. The keys broke off in the door. So, oh, good you little jackass! No, I, just, I dropped his keys on the ground. I didn't even take them back in, and he didn't know they were missing at this point. And so that other boy, I went to him, and I said, "Please help me." He goes, "I'll take you home." Aww. So we quietly left, and he took me home. Mm. And um, so that was, you know, a lot of traumatic things in school. So I became even more of a loner. I became really bad depressed. And this is something that's always been a mystery, but when you've been sexually assaulted so many times, a lot of times people will become hypersexual, mm-hmm. overactive sexually. Mm-hmm. And so I decided it must be what I deserve. It must be. So maybe if I start giving in and um, just doing it, then it won't be so bad.
3: So but I found I s- out what that is actually cuz from my sexual assaults I I wanted to find out why people do that and it's because it's normal. It, that's yeah. what we know and that's and so that's what we go to. Yeah. Isn't that so sad?
1: It is.
0: It's cuz you guys you guys got attention. Even yeah. though it was negative, you guys got attention and you felt you feel comfortable, not really comfortable, but it's kind of like that's all you think you are. And that's, that's all exactly. you feel like you like, Yeah, that's all you deserve is, exactly. is that.
1: and, and That's
0: it, sad and disgusting.
1: Yes, it is. And so like I said, I, my thought was, well, if I just do this, then, you know, for one, that makes sense. What you said is I'll have attention, mm-hmm. but maybe I can turn it around. Instead of it hurting, I just do it. Yeah. You know. Yep. And so... I met this guy. We dated all through the rest of high school. And we only went to, I only went to one semester of college. We'll get to college after a bit. But um, so I had one person paying attention to me. I had one person that treated me nice. I had one person. And I just thought, um, well, in high school, another thing was, I was never asked out on date so that's why I ended up with one guy I only dated that one guy a couple times and then that ended and went with this one but I was always laughed at um, who wants to date a girl that um, has no body you have no butt. you have no boobs you have nothing you may be cute and you may be sweet and kind but you're not dating material guys aren't going to want to date somebody like you Mm -hmm. so one day I was standing at my locker crying for being told this Mm -hmm. and I'm like I don't know what to do so this one boy that came up who was a good friend of mine asked what was wrong and I told him and he said he tried and he did he helped me a lot but yet I took it and turned it the wrong way he said let me explain something to you what boy he was like a senior and I was 10th or t- yeah 10th grade mm-hmm. and he said let me explain to you something about guys all these guys in high school they only want one thing mm-hmm. and that is how am I going to get in your pants yep. and I'm like seriously and he said yeah that's all what they want he said so start telling yourself You're proud of yourself that you're not dating material. He goes, because one of these days, these boys are going to grow up and become men and decide to get married. They don't want to marry a girl who has slept with all the boys in school.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: They want a girl that's pure. They want a girl that, you know, wasn't used and didn't give her body around to everybody. That's when they want, he goes, your challenge. Exactly. Mm -hmm. He said, your marriage material. And marriage lasts a lifetime. I mean, can last a lifetime. School only lasts a few years. Mm-hmm. So I turned that around and decided, I just need to find somebody to marry then. Mm-hmm. And so this one boy that I dated, towards the time we got to senior year, he'd given me a promise ring and said, you know, one day it's it'll be an engagement and a wedding ring. Well, he was going into the military, um, he was going to be a naval aviator pilot, oh, that's Cool. but ended up having to go, well, into the Marines for, but that's his story. Anyways, um, so obviously I said yes, but then I ended up saying yes to a guy I knew from church who I would, had been terribly in love with, never done anything sexually with, um, ended up. Saying yes to him, because the one semester at college, I was terrified because I realized I don't belong here. I felt like I was in a foreign country. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And he tried his best to help me, and I just, I can't do it. So after one semester, I called my parents and to I want to come home. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't do it which they were not happy about because I'd been accepted to one of the uh, sorority houses. Mm. When I found out what that was about, I didn't want any part of that Mm -hmm. because initiation night was gonna be doing stuff that involved things that had already happened to me. And it's like, yeah. yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, so anyways, uh, long story short on that, I left, I ended up breaking up with him Um, he tried to get me back, but I just, I became horrified and terrified all over again of everyone Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and I can't do this. But then I ended up saying yes to this other guy. And then at, at the last, you know, well, it didn't last very long. I got to the point of, I can't do this. Mm
3: -hmm. You got scared again. Got
1: scared again. So backed out of that one. So it was right after high school though that I yeah, I wasn't in high school. Well, it was during that college year after or after I came back
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a cousin of mine said, Hey, I've got this guy you need to meet. I'm like, I don't want I don't want any more guys. I know. Mm-hmm. I don't want any oh, you need to meet this guy. He's he's really nice, you know, and we're on the same bowling league together and blah 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 and all this stuff again. And so she finally convinced me to just go one night to watch and bowl well the i guess i hadn't broke up with the guy from college or from church um because the first night we went together we met there Mm -hmm. and i thought well you know i'll feel safe with him i've already told him yes whatever then i ended up like i said ending that and then jeremy this is where i meet your dad And
0: so are we still in high school or are we in college? No, now? the
1: one semester after oh. the one semester of college. Yeah. Okay. So we had all gone out to eat that night when we were with the guy. Well, your dad <clears throat> Okay, you can take that out. You <laughs> gotta get that one last laugh out. <laughs> he we were there. Well he sat across from me and um Knowing very well I had a boyfriend with me and flirted and flirted. You know how I used to flirt with mm-hmm. all the high school girls? Oh, my God. Okay, we'll yeah, skip that <laughs> part. <laughs> and just kept on and on and making the most stupidest comments that anyone could hear. <laughs> and I thought, who in the hell is this idiot? <laughs> mm. Sorry about that, Jeremy. No. <laughs> but conceited
3: male gosh darn it yeah
0: <laughs> this is your story yeah
3: yeah so
1: yeah so it was no 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 all the way around well I ended up going out there to meet you know hang with my cousin one more time oh here he comes again and said why don't you come down here where I'm at you know all this kind of trying his best to flirt but by god he does not know how at least he didn't know how then not the right way <laughs> and I, my cousin talked to me and just go out with him once or twice okay just go out with him so i'm like fine i want my cousin to just shut up i'll go out with him and went out with him one time it was like uh-uh no this is not gonna work <laughs> i'll I'll do this two times and then that's it and then it kind of kept happening where i felt like i didn't have a choice Mm. i tried to say no i tried to say no to him no mm -mm, and nothing but we kept ended up dating and then it just happened to be that on a date um sorry about this part jeremy ahead of time um we he drove us up to the top of this hill overlooking the city and i was sexually assaulted again forced to do mm. something i did not want to do mm-hmm. and i thought okay definitely i got to find a way out of this i i i just can't my my brain was in total chaos mm-hmm. It didn't know what to think it didn't know what to do I I already learned a long time before this don't go to my parents about anything Mm -hmm. you know they're not going to help you my brother wasn't around he was gone you know moved away into Mm -hmm. his own life and so it ended up though I ended up pregnant Mm -hmm. and I'm like well I have to keep going out with him now I don't I don't know what to do I'm like okay I'll just be nice and I'll figure out how to end this. I'll I'll, I'll figure it all out. And, um, but I didn't. And so I, it's like, I don't want to go into everything right now at this point in this setting. But I got to a point, I was working at a bank and I got to a point that. I called I'd heard about abortions and it's like okay I've laid in bed every night and cried begging God to take this away make it go away and this thing it did not go away mm-hmm. so I was I don't know three months along or something and he knew about it and his mom knew about it and she wasn't the happiest with it but she at least supported it so they're the ones that took me to the doctor and You know, all of this kind of stuff. And so I called one day and set up an abortion. And I thought, okay, everyone says this is the way out. Mm -hmm. You know, well, two days before I was supposed to have it, I broke down. I had an emotional breakdown.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it was like, I don't know what to do. That's something living and breathing inside of me. Mm -hmm. You know, I I didn't understand it all, but it's like, how that'll be murder. You know, i put it all together. I'm like, I can't murder somebody.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it's living and breathing, and then it's going to be dead. So I canceled it. Couldn't do it.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And so I I was not going to tell my parents because, you know, I was a baby Mm -hmm. pretty much, you know. Even though I may have been graduated high school and college age I was still a baby and so I didn't know what to do I figured I could hide it I could just hide it I'll I'll figure this out somehow I'll figure this out well my mom was far smarter than I was she could see that my cheeks were getting chubby I was putting on some weight didn't explain why because I didn't eat that much Mm -hmm. so finally she just put me in my my bedroom came in there Well, her and my dad both and said, no, it was just her. Okay, are you pregnant? Oh, my God, was I terrified. I couldn't tell her yes. Mm -hmm. You know, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to get beat all over again. You know, that's happened to me some. Mm -hmm. And I just, like, tried to get out of it. No, no, why would you say that? Finally, I broke down, had an emotional breakdown, told her yes. I did not tell her how it happened. Mm-hmm. I just let her think that I did it willingly you know Right,
2: and I was mm-hmm.
1: this guy that I'm dating and so I took the blame I took it on myself instead of saying this is unwanted I I didn't you know I didn't do this willingly with this person mm-hmm. you know help me well I was given two choices my dad refused to speak to me for the next two months and but I was given two choices I either left town they were going to send me away until and stay there until the baby was born and then it will be given away I will come back and the story will be that I was went off to college somewhere different and it ended up not working out so she came home
0: Mm -hmm. So it doesn't ruin their image. And, yeah, exactly. Exactly, their
3: image.
1: Exactly, mm-hmm. because one of the responsibilities put on my shoulders from them was it's, I'm responsible for making the family look good. Their exact words were, I mean, when they were getting on to me and, and shaming me and all this other stuff, I'm like, but what about my brother? What about him? Look at what he's done already in his life. And you don't get angry at him this way. And they said, that's because it's your responsibility to make this family look good. He is our biological son, our real son. And with that, you just take what you get. But we handpicked you mm. out of hundreds of other babies. So you cannot make us look bad. Wow. Because that's that will so reflect on them for mm-hmm. making a wrong choice wow so it was either i got married real quick within two weeks time before i grew anymore or i went away, i would be sent away wow so i didn't want to go to new people again
2: mm-hmm. absolutely right. not
1: you know and so i chose to get married and in my brain i kept saying I'll figure this out. Somehow I will figure this out. I'll I'll get out of this mm-hmm. wrong 23 years later and but I did have three wonderful sons that I would I would not go back and change what I went through. No matter how horrifying, terrifying, abusive it was, I would not. If I was given the ability to go back, start over and none of it happened, I would say no. Because mm-hmm. I would not have my three sons or my eleven grandkids, and I would not be who I am today. Exactly. Aww.
3: So' that's, that's again like so admirable because there's so many people that we talk to, including my own family who cannot physically see it that way. So I just want to thank you for well, that.
1: Well, thank you it um, it turned me into a survivor and a fighter mhm absolutely and who's know. to say that if i went back and started over again that my life m- would have been worse who who knows mhm exactly. and i would not have the, the preciousness that i have today mhm and i would not be who i am today
0: mm-hmm. absolutely yep well Thank you for putting up with bullshit to have (laughs) me. I I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. When I was a kid and going through what we all went through in that house, I'd ask myself numerous times why I was with this family or why I was alive or why this. But now who I am today, I can honestly say thank you. because back then, back then I didn't want to be a part of it.
1: Neither did, you know. Neither did one of you, one of you. Neither Neither one one of us. I mean, your brother's the same way. None of the four of us wanted to be a part of this, wanted Mm -hmm. to be there. In fact, I'm sure you don't remember this because you, being the youngest one, all three of you begged me every single day, please, Mama, take us away. Please, we don't want to be here. Well, I had one of the things that he did that I don't think you guys know about. Um, when I just had your oldest brother and he was 10 months old, I had set out to leave him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I I took my baby and left the apartment and, this, and I told him I was going to work. Well, we had already been fighting because he had... One of the worst physical things that he did to me was separate my left shoulder and then refuse to let it heal. Mm. So he came out right as I was getting into the car, yanked him out of my arms, went to the apartment, locked the door. I screamed and screamed and cried, banging on the door, begging, 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 please let me in. His exact words were, no, go ahead. Go ahead and go to work if that's really where you're going. Or you can run home to your parents and let them fix everything for you. Mm. But if you do, remember this. You will never see this kid dead or alive again.
0: Mm -hmm. Exact words. I remember a lot. And I remember detail. I remember a stormy night with the blinds shut. But you could see the lightning through there. And... The lights were out inside of the house, except the small light in the kitchen. And you had forgotten to get groceries. And the only thing that we were eating was cream of potato soup. And I remember you being dragged to the hallway to the master bedroom um, and listening to all that um, in between the thunder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember you finally went out to go get groceries. And I remember you were carrying the big brown paper bags coming back in from the groceries. And you had just dropped them on the kitchen floor because me and uh, my brother, we were laying down in the living room by the kitchen and our backs were sliced. Uh, we were beaten with the hook of the cowboy belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and he thought laying ice packs on us was... Do
1: you remember was, your rear ends, that same incident?
0: Yeah, and the two by fours and the wooden... Yeah. Pa- yeah, I, I I remember a lot. Yeah. And he they flashed like through. like to
1: eat potato soup to this day
0: they uh, flash in my head me. constantly so
1: yeah well he um there were also times that i was not allowed to buy milk so you and your brothers had to eat cereal with water or dry i we were he dictated how much was spent what i could buy
0: mm-hmm.
1: don't buy milk they drink too much so mm-hmm. it goes. stories go on and
0: on and on yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, still today he hides money, but <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. to, I want um, I want to know one day what has happened to him to make him the way that he is.
1: Well, well, well I mean, that's
0: I'm, I'm his story. You know, I am Wondering I've one day if him. he'll
3: go on our podcast to tell us one day. I've I've talked to him
0: quite a bit, and you know, according to him, from what he's told, is he had some rough childhood, but it wasn't. It wasn't that bad of what, you know, other people go through. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he, he was in about the good he parts. was in martial arts. He was in sports. He did cross country motocross or cross country motocross, you know. And he doesn't complain too much.
3: No, he about, doesn't complain about anything. He's not
1: very forthcoming either. No, you know, no. You know, yeah. When you ask him way.
3: questions now, mm-hmm. um, he will actually answer.
1: Well, when when there's something interesting at the end, we won't. Yeah, we'll
0: yeah. get into so, that. It's very interesting. So <laughs> after college, um, what like what was your life? Because you got married, you had three sons, like.
1: Well, I um, ended up doing, and this is during the marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, all three of you were already here. Mm-hmm. Um, I developed. This sickness of self-harm I would do things to myself that he had done to me this is why you all were in school screaming and crying just repeating over and over and over I deserve this I deserve this I deserve this I would do things to myself I mean the sexual assaults were not only his body but were also whatever objects he could find in the house mm. And it would be to the point until I was bleeding horribly. So I would do it to myself. Um, I tried to commit suicide. That was not the first time in the 10th grade. I had tried it already once. And so I attempted suicide and then had multiple times that I would leave the house and drive for hours one time in particular towards the end, I was supposed to be at church doing a Bible study and you, your brothers, were so angry at me because they didn't, you didn't know where I was. Mm-hmm. I, people were calling you, where's your mom? She never showed up. She never showed up. Of course, obviously, the whole life we had lived mm-hmm. in that house, they were terrified. Well, I drove over every overpass and bridge I could find with the intent of driving off the side of it. Well, my character, I mean, this is just built into me, who I am. My first thought was no concerns or worries about how it would hurt, what it would do to me, but I might hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. What if I land on top of another car and I kill somebody in there? I, I, I need to find a way to just kill myself. Right. And every thing I could come up with doing, I was too scared to do it because I said, my words to myself were, you're nothing but a failure. You're not even going to get that right. You've got nothing right in your whole entire life. Do you really think if you pull out a gun or a knife or set yourself on fire that you're going to do it right? You're going to fuck it up just like everything else you've done. So I just lived with that horror inside of me, but I, I can't be here anymore. Can't be here anymore. And then this part, I'm not sure if I should really tell, but it was towards him uh, being a police officer. One particular night when he was sleeping and you three were in your room right across the hall, I pulled out his, I think it was a Glock he had. I pulled it out pointed it towards him and had decided fine that I can't take myself out and and another reason I can't do it are those three little boys in that other room I can't leave them what's what will happen to them if I do so I'll just kill the person the bad person and I pointed it at him I never took the safety off and the first thing that stopped me was you and your brothers I can't do it what, mm-hmm. if, what if they take me away from them? Where will they go? I can't leave my babies behind. They're my whole life. They're my world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you and your brothers, and especially your middle brother, and you and I were like best friends. Mm-hmm. We we were each other's support. But when y'all were really young. But and then the second reason I didn't do it was again, you'll fuck it up. You're gonna miss. It's going to ricochet off the bed and the walls and it'll end up in their room and kill one of your babies.
3: This is the only time that I can say that thank God for horrible self-talk.
1: Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. You wouldn't
3: be here right now if it wasn't for the horrible self-talk. Because you're just like, I can't even do this right. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that for once in my life (laughs) I felt the negative. (laughs) I'm like in tears because I I get it. Like, just feeling like you can't do anything right. The emotional
0: part I know is coming, the emotional part for me is is coming soon, because I know you divorced dad. (laughs) Um, Right. That was the worst time in my life. Not because you left, but, um, so, when you didn't come back at the end of the week, dad came back from Texas and opened the garage, and I was in the garage with my suitcases, and that was the worst I ever got it, and oh God. it was for hours because he wanted to know where I was going, and I'm not leaving. And uh, it uh, that's when my life like really turned. I got a DUI when I was 16, um, but after that, after that day or that night um, that I went through that, um, he had finished the police. The business. Um, shortly afterwards, um, because I I remember me and me and my brother, we got in trouble one night. We uh, stole my dad's uh, police radios, <laughs> so we could go drive around yeah. everywhere. And uh, they had set up a scheme, and Dad had to go get the stuff from the police chief. Well, he ended up you know quitting after that. Well, he worked in Texas Monday through Friday, and. I was at the house by myself, um, Monday through Friday, and I put myself through school, I went to work, um, I went and stayed at a friend's house for about a year or so, but during that time, dad did go get some help, and, uh, um, I chose to go back and live with him, and he was a totally different person when I was a child. Now I know that he bought my love, but then it was worth it, it was what I wanted, Uh, So, yeah, divorce.
3: Hold on. I'm going to talk about this for a little bit. So, no, I found out recently that nobody in your entire family but Jeremy knew that that their father and your ex put himself in treatment. Um, We went to dinner with his older brother, and they had a conversation about it, and I was just blown away that... They never have talked about it because it was such an important mm-hmm. part, I feel like, in all of your lives. Because everybody always wondered, how did dad get better? How did he change? Yeah. And But until you know that he... I mean, people don't talk about that back then, you know? Like, in the 90s, and the 2000s, early 2000s, you don't talk about, hey, I went and put myself in inpatient. Like He you just still don't. doesn't
0: like talking about it. Yeah. No,
3: I actually mm. brought it up when he was here. Um, and it was in front of Cindy and he was very calm about it. Um, Jeremy sometimes will look at me and he's really cute. He'll just be like, you just asked my dad that, like you just asked him (laughs) that, like, how do you just talk to him? How do you get away with doing that? Yeah. Like, and it's because I know him now of not, you know, so, and I do have the fear because I know of things, but I'm not afraid because he, you know, has gotten better, but, um, I did. I was like, I just want you to know that, um, that your sons never knew that you've gotten help and that we had like a whole conversation about it. Um, and I want you to know that they all know now that you went to got, that you went and got help and how proud I am of you because I don't think it's something that I'll ever get. Um, you know, as a, as an adult child, and I just think that's really cool, and I just wanted to tell you thank you and and he was he was very um kind about it. He was very understanding and it was just very
0: mm-hmm.
3: it was just very cool. So he too now knows that you guys well, know
1: i i I can believe that he was very nice and kind because you know there were moments here and there, days here and there. Um, I think the longest time that we went, that we actually got along was three years, Mm -hmm. a total of three years. It was like one year, one time and two years, another time that we actually got along and he was actually nice. And I can remember telling him, you know, if at the very beginning you would have been this way from the very beginning, you and I would have, you and I would be thinking differently about each other. Mm
2: -hmm. You
1: know, everything would have been different. I wouldn't hate you like I do now, mm-hmm. you know, which I was terrified I said that because it's like, oh, God, here it right. comes. But, you know, he sort of acknowledged it but didn't. But I I do know from experience there is another side from him. There is a kind mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. good side to him. Right. Yeah. So that's what makes me wonder. I know growing up he went through some stuff, but it wasn't... Um, it was kind of like ver- verbal,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, mm-hmm. and...
0: Well, from my experience now and, and you know, growing up with him, because um, me and him have built a relationship, and I think his only fault now is he tries so hard to be helpful that he's very pushy.
3: It comes off yeah. controlling. Right. And right. it drives the boys nuts, but... Right. Yeah, he'll ask me, he's like, how do you let my dad just tell you what to do and it doesn't drive you nuts? I'm like, because I know that's just your dad and it's coming from his heart. Mm -hmm. And so he's like,
2: "Well,
0: (laughs) I know dad used to say, we'll move on. Um, I know he used to say that, you know, no phone call is good news. A phone call is usually bad because usually me and my brothers, every time he would get a phone call or we would call him, We were in trouble or something was wrong or anything else like that. So he grew up for the longest time not checking on us, not doing anything. I was gone overseas, and I didn't hear from him for months. But according to him, well, I haven't heard from him, so it must be okay because I haven't heard anything, right? Right.
3: No news is good news. Well. Right.
0: I do have to say, though, um, since my standoff and the suicide attempt in 2018, it really woke him up. He sat on the phone with me when I got out of jail. And I was at the hotel um, and he just cried and he apologized because he said it was his fault wow and uh, he promised me that he was going to check on me and ever since 2018 until now he calls me every Sunday and sometimes okay. even more than that but
3: and not, not even Jeremy. Now he calls the other boys too. So now right. he talks to them every Sunday. And I think that's the most amazing thing it to
1: is, have. And one of the sad things is one of your brothers, um, the middle one, is in his own bad space, mm-hmm. headspace, and in his bad place. And he doesn't see it as a positive as you and your older brothers do he just sees it as oh dad's just doing what he's supposed to do so everyone can say oh look at dad you know he calls every sunday Mm. and he and i know that when he calls your middle one the conversations are very very short Cause I'll ask him. I'll say, "Well, what y'all talk about? Did you mention this to him? Did you mention that to him? Did you talk about what you wanted to talk about?" Mm-hmm. And he says, "No," because he says his few words and then he gets and then he hangs up.
0: Yeah, he. Yeah,
3: he has a different outlook on his dad. For my, sure. My right? my
0: conversations with him range anywhere from ten minutes to twenty five minutes. And and, it's very very quick. It's how are you doing. What do you got going on this week? Is there anything you need? Okay, love you. Bye. Yeah. Uh, it's very yeah, and we simple. We found yeah. out
3: that actually came from. So um, he talked to the boys when they played golf um, last week, which was really nice. They they get to go play golf again. Um, but one of the brothers, they just they just have a different outlook on their dad, and that's right. fine. I think over time it will be fine. But what he said was. Um, So it's very important that the boys have a relationship now, and that's because of him losing his own brothers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hope that they can continue working on their relationship because I think the whole... When Jeremy almost ended his life that night and it was a big ordeal it brought back all of those memories for their father too like right. I don't have anybody I've lost everybody so it's very mm-hmm. important for him to call every Sunday and I had to go on the actual golf course these boys don't talk they like even the father I, I can't get him to talk so mm-hmm. I had to walk on the field of whatever it's called <laughs> golf course and I went and whispered I was like this would be a good time for you to tell the boys how important it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Like, before she has to reassure you, right? But he did. after the, At the very end, he was talking to all the boys about how important it was for them to, to be together and all of this. But the one brother still
1: doesn't he, see it yet. No, because I think that... And he's one that doesn't talk about right. his, his feelings or mm-hmm. about... But I do know that he feels rejected and feels like the the rejected child, the mm-hmm. unloved one, because growing up, even with all the bad that he did, like you said, all of y'all put did a lot of bullshit mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff that just was like, oh, my God, I don't even want to deal with this, mm-hmm. you know. And so, but he always felt like he was... The unfavored one,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, he was the rebel, and he
2: yeah, he, he was proud, of, you know, yeah. proud
1: of it, and all this kind of stuff, and but he's never had a chance or an opportunity, or you know, to to seek help, to get help. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, it's like no, I, I don't, I don't need help. I'm not the one, you know, and on and on, and so. I think that's a lot why he sees it, sees him differently is because he still is dealing with his own trauma and own memories Mm -hmm. and own stuff, but is not, not going to talk about it. Not going to be, Oh, this is what I'm feeling. This is what, you know, he's just, he's going to stay, you know, suck it up, Mm -hmm. go on, move on. And
3: I hope one day that that y'all can all sit down and and tell him too, because I think he's the only one that doesn't know about dad getting help. Mm -hmm. So I think that will Mm -hmm. be a big key for him one day. Well, to sum
0: all that up, and then we're moving on to the next, because golly, we got a lot more to go. (laughs)
3: There is so much more, (laughs) write.
0: But what I said at my graduation speech in my news interview is uh, sometimes a tragedy is a blessing in disguise. It can open a whole new meaning to life. That's true. And that's exactly what happened Mm -hmm. in this situation. So, moving on after you got a divorce, um, I'm interested to know exactly where you went um, because I know you got married again. Oh, God. And I'm not going to lie, during this time I was living in Hawaii in the Army and um, I tracked you down. I, I, I knew exactly where you were with the unit that I was living in. Um, Creepy little
1: things, man. <laughs> <laughs> why, why didn't you come save me then? <laughs>
0: <laughs> because I'm sorry at the time I didn't think you were my mom. And I know that hurts and we've been through this. We've been, but yeah. That was just, and I don't
1: blame you one bit.
0: That was a lot of hate feeling that, that. I, had
3: mm-hmm. I think y'all both wanted each other to save each other at yeah. that point. Are
1: you a, Trust me. There are many times you expressed your hate towards me in different ways. So, <laughs> <What that> <laughs>
3: <sense>. <laughs> well, not hate, no, just not abandonment. Abandonment, anger, resentment,
0: yeah. resentment, <laughs> yeah.
2: anger and alcohol that kind of made stuff, it worse.
3: You yeah. know, and I think that's beautiful that you guys have worked through that because. Mm-hmm. now Jeremy knows that you didn't do it because you wanted to. You did it because you felt like that was the only thing that you knew what to do at that time. Like, Well,
1: yeah, and that's like what I was thinking about earlier is I just basically jumped from the frying pan to the fire. Mm-hmm. I walked out of a bad marriage only to turn around a year later and or not even that long. Was The marriage was a year later, but walk right into another one.
3: Mm-hmm. And, and so, wait, so is this the boy that fell asleep at on 10th Street in the bar?
0: The second marriage. No. The
3: second marriage? No. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, yeah, it is. Yes, yeah, the one she is. ran away with. Yes. Oh, it is? Yes.
0: One
1: okay. I, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, okay. And so...
0: I'm fucking douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know much of the story, so I was like, wait, is that
1: the boy that passed out at the bar? Yeah, well, he's not living now due to his own uh, fault. Oh, but, um, so yeah, he's not going to hear any of this. So oh. just
0: speak so did away. You, so oh. when you, so when you went away, did you immediately run off and get eloped or did you live with him and, and move for a while before you got married?
1: L- lived Remarry. with him. Oh, okay. Lived with him. Cause it, I started seeing him, seeing him a few times before the divorce actually came about Yeah. because I, I mean, I remember the day he called me. It was like, oh my God, this is the boy from junior high. And it, it's the bad things flashed through my head that happened, but I was just so, he was just the coolest, you know, and he drove all these cool cars too, and he just, he paid attention to me and, He was so nice back then, even though he was a bad boy, Mm -hmm. you know, stood under the bleachers and smoked instead of watching the football games. (laughs) But he was, to me, he was cool. It's like he's cool. Mm -hmm. He just does what he wants. I want to be like this. So in my mind, I thought, I've been waiting years for him to come back around, Mm -hmm. you know, to find me and come back around. And because our last words to each other was, he said, I'll find you. I, I will find you and everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'm safe, you know, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I thought. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeremy, I just thought this is going to be good because he's going to be good to the boys, you know. Well, little did I know that I'm, um, how dumb is that? Because no one is... You're talking about Traumized. me and my brother. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, not this time. No. But... Um, Little did I not know was or, knew, or did not know, however you want to say it. I'm supposed to say it is people aren't the same as an adult as they were in junior high. Mm-hmm. Yes, he'd been living twenty something years in a bad marriage, and so I didn't even think about what kind of shit he'd been through, mm-hmm. you know, and whether it was at his hands or somebody else's hands. I just thought, here's the boy. Right, mm-hmm. a boy that can save me. <laughs> a boy that can save me. And in the very beginning for so many months, it was all fine, and I was just so happy and elated. I didn't care what anything anybody thought. Um, the boys can hate me all they want, but they'll soon find out this was a good thing, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll be happy. In fact, I don't know if you remember, we tried to get you to come and live with us in the apartment. He already had a job set up for you, you go to school and everything and you said you were going to do it and you ended up not doing it. you know you had your own reasons and I, I don't blame you for any of them, whatever they are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, but yeah, it turned bad real fast. He went from just drinking when we cooked out to a full-blown alcoholic. Um, and, and I never knew that alcohol alcoholism has stages just like cancer. And so you have all these different stages, and he lived long enough to reach the last stage that he developed uh, alcoholic paranoid schizophrenia. Oh, wow. Um, He would stalk me at work. He would show up at work drunk. Security had to escort him off the premises. He would call every day, multiple times a day at work, and want to know why I'm having an affair with somebody in Florida. So he had it in his in mind, Florida. literally, that every day I was flying to Florida to have this affair. I'm wow. like, I'm at work. Do you not realize you just called my work number? Oh, wow. You know, well, why you're answering your work phone, I don't know. You probably have some secret, set it up somehow. He was so paranoid. Mm. And and he, so this went on and on and on, and yeah. I... um Two different times I filed a, what do you call it? A restraining order. Two different times filed restraining orders against him and filed for divorce. And the first time he managed to convince the hospital that it was okay for me to come to the hospital, have a family meeting and blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm the one that broke the restraining order. I'm the one that got in trouble. So the restraining order was no longer there. So he got to come home. Mm. That makes sense. You know, wow. and things smart. went from bad to worse, you know. And then the second time around, he would, we had moved to Bartlesville to take this job. Well, I had no idea that three months into this job, he got fired for showing up drunk every day and passing out at his desk. Well, he mm. called one. We had the house up for sale. I was dealing with the realtors, doing all this other things were going great. You know, I had made up my mind that I was not moving to Bartlesville. I'm going to keep convincing him that I am, but I'm not going to. Um, This time I will make it work out. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not, no more. This divorce and this restraining order is going to stick. Well, he called one night and said he was on his way to Tulsa. I mean, the city, excuse Mm me. And... When he got there, he was going to burn the fucking house down with me in it. And don't think that I would try to get out, or don't think that I'll leave before he gets there. He goes, because you don't know which corner I'm just around. Mm. Wow. So, I was paranoid. come to find out he was nowhere doing that. He was drunk in his trailer in Bartlesville. And then, at work one day, shortly after that happened... I decided I can't do this. And I had talked to your middle brother, Mm -hmm. and he was living with your guys' dad at the time in Texas. And so it was kind of set up. I didn't talk to your dad directly, but your brother did. It was set up that I could go there.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so I made sure the restraining order was still intact. He was not even to be at the house by himself. Uh, A guy I knew from high school was a PI, private, yeah, private investigator. And he, for free, set it up to have the house monitored Mm -hmm. 24 hours around the clock. uh, Knew exactly what to do. Sheriff's department had already been notified. Police department had already been notified. So I... Did not tell my work where I was going. I had all my stuff packed already. And I started taking things from work with me. And they're like, so you quitting? I'm like, no, I'm just cleaning my area up. It's getting junky. I don't want this stuff anymore. I'm tired of looking at it. Mm
2: -hmm. They didn't
1: know that I was going to go home, pack my bags as much as I could, and load my car down and head off to Texas.
2: Uh
1: Well... At first, it was fine. I could sleep on the couch. I was safe. It was okay. Um, Your brother was there, so I wasn't alone. Well, it did not take long that your dad made it clear if I was going to keep living in his house, then I was going to sleep in his bed, and there would be a relationship. Yep. Been there, done that. Yep. So, forced all over again, Mm. you know, and... I'm not going to get a beating, so I'm just going to lay here and, you know, grip my teeth and deal with it. I'd sit in his room. I was to watch TV in his room because he did not like the channels being changed in the living room. So I would sit in there, continuous. He would come back, want to know why am I in there. I'd, get, you know, I'd get yelled at when your brother wasn't there. And it was, it was just... All over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow.
0: The only thing I got to say about the, the second husband was he had a hit list. What? So Yes? Yeah, that's enough said. He had a yes. hit wow. list.
1: I, I, yes, I do not doubt that. Yep. Huh. I didn't know about that, but yep. I'm saying yes like I did, but I'm oh, just like, yes, I don't that? doubt it.
0: Yeah, he showed, he showed me and my brother, and dad was on there, and then he added... Um, my middle brother on there. And wow. then And then there was some other people that you knew.
1: Wow. Wow. No, I did not know that.
3: He was an interesting fellow.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I do remember one phone call of yours when we finally... Because the, the year you were in Afghanistan, I was never... I would call your dad regularly and ask him if you were okay. Give me a number. I'm calling. You know, well, you can't call him. He'll call you. Then please, when you talk to him, tell him to call me. He never did. That I know of, he never did.
0: Right. I honestly, I talked to dad when I got to Kuwait. I talked to him when I was leaving Kuwait. And the only time I talked to him in Afghanistan was email. And see, and I didn't know any
1: of this. I just, my understanding of it all was he had regular communication with you. He had
0: regular communication with my unit.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Back in Hawaii. Okay. Not overseas. Okay. Yeah.
1: That I didn't know. And but I remember one night when you called me and I think while well, you were back in Hawaii, it, I could tell you were drunk.
0: I was at Ronnie's house. Yep. And
1: yep, and telling me that all your choice words about me and how you felt and all this kind of stuff and that it was made you wanted to make it very clear you were not in this alone. You had your guys following you in all this. If I ever fucking see him, I will fucking kill him. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. You know,
1: he made it very clear that, and it was like, that's when I really realized, oh my God, what kind of damage have I done to my kids now? I put it all on myself, you know, Mm -hmm. not my second husband. I put it on me. I took the blame for it. We've all since talked about it, and I've owned up to... Whatever is my fault is actually my fault. I'm sorry. I am so sorry for it because once again, I thought it's going to be okay. going to be okay, and it wasn't, and I tried to take the blame for all of it, but then I started acknowledging, no, this is not all my fault. Look at what he did, you know, here, here, and here. Look at this, this, this. Part of what I did was I was controlled by him. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I was manipulated. He was very good at convincing me that this is a good thing Mm -hmm. that we're going to do. Just like moving to Arizona, this is a good thing. Mm -hmm. No, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. You know, so I finally got to the point where I acknowledge my wrongs and I voice what his wrongs were. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, you
0: know, so... Right. Yeah, he... I mean, I honestly have no words for that man. He was a loser. Yeah, he was a loser. He was, he was beyond a loser. He doesn't even deserve the dirt off the bottom of my feet. But...
1: Mine either, to yep. be honest.
0: Yep.
1: To be honest. Yeah. I agree. I never felt so relieved. I cried, yes, when I found out that he died. But that, I think that's just a, norman, a normal human re- reaction. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which comes from trauma, (laughs) might've been relief, but comes from trauma. But I seriously never felt more relieved in my life Mm -hmm. that he was gone. He was gone. I don't have to figure this one out. Yeah. I can only imagine. I was saved. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's the only good thing he did. (laughs) Legitimately saved. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Legitimately. Legitimately saved. Yeah. Wow.
0: All right, guys, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up part one stay tuned check out survivingyourmind.com for part two thank you all for the love and the support take care
3: remember life doesn't have a handbook when you're made to feel you're living your life wrong how do we not know they're living their life wrong we don't stop being critical of yourself and just be you